Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'll, oh, The Bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, Organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc., You don't know what to expect, but now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies, and now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and (laughs) my, um, (laughs) which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, Me Undies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies. 
Comfort from the outside in. It's the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. This is the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. Bienvenue à la première édition de la bataille de la bachelorette pour l'amour. Let's get it on. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. Fully recovered from my dance with COVID-19. That's not true, actually. I'm still a little sick. You might hear it in my voice, but I feel a hundred times better than I did last week, which was for a couple of days, not good at all. Mute. (laughs) Yeah, it was rough. Uh, This is the first time I've had it. I know a lot of people out there listening to this, I'm sure, have had their dealings with it as well. And I wish anybody who is dealing with it now a speedy recovery. Um, it was not very fun, to say the least. Those first two or three days, man. I'm sorry, Clues. No, it's all right. I've been very careful. I'm vaccinated. I'm boosted. I still have no idea how this happened or where I got it. Nobody that I was in contact with over the series of days that I believe I would have been contagious has any symptoms. They're all fine. So it's a a strange mystery case of it. The buck stops with clues. That's right. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. We'll see, I guess. Maybe a few more days will tell. But Did, uh, Did it give you any revelations to contract a pandemic? I thought for sure you were getting more elective surgery secretly. Oh, no. No surgery whatsoever. I did do an interesting thing with regard to our beloved game, though, which I will be discussing on this coming This Week in Bachelor Nation on Friday. I'm almost 100% sure it's going to be my scream from the pit unless something happens between now and then that will beat it. (laughs) I'm excited to hear it. Save it for the pod, the other one. I shall. Speaking of twibbing, there is an important piece of news that is breaking today, which we are going to mention right here. And then we are going to fully cover it in Friday's This Week in Bachelor Nation. We're just going to mention it here because it deserves mentioning. That is when we will talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Say the fact of it in a single sentence and then we're not going to discuss it again. Madison Pruitt is engaged to Grant Trout, the son of a Dallas, Texas billionaire. We're just going to say it. She did it. She did it. She did it. She knows what she's signing up for. She knew what she signed up for and came came out of that perfectly, in my opinion. Her personal virginity card ultimatum to Popeye might have been the best decision of her life. Okay, now I'm done. We'll talk about it yeah. on Twibbon. <laughs> but yes, this just in. Madison Pruitt, if this marriage goes through, is going to have access to over $1 billion of capital to start Madison Pruitt Ministries. Or Trout Ministries. Madison Pruitt, Trout Ministries. Time will tell. Clues and I have a bet of whether she will change her name. I think she will maybe hyphenate, but I could see Pruitt Ministries being her name, Pruitt, but in the shape of like a Jesus fish for trout. It's like a visual metaphor for the name, you know? Trout is in the fish. Yeah. Like you never see the the name. You just see the fish. It's implied. It's an implied trout. Oh, okay. How about just like... It's Prue within a fish. Oh, I like this. So then it's like her whole family. What if they just, instead of Pruitt, they just ram another T in the middle of there and it's Prue Trout. And the middle T is in the shape of a cross. 
trout. And there's two T's between the words, two T's after. And that's all we're going to talk about it this episode. Because <laughs> we have important things to get to. And we have that's right. promised ourselves because oh. we know we will be bad at this. <laughs> God, I can't stop thinking about it. But I will try to in order for us to tell you that we have some brand new merch out. You can right now go to gameofroses.co and pick up a brand new t-shirt that had a design on it by the incomparable Ella Tolkien. She did our 4TRR shirt. She did the sweatshirt that has Pace and I sitting on thrones in the bottom of the pit. She's a fantastic artist and she has designed a shirt to commemorate the Sauce Wars. That is correct. Perhaps the most important era of our beloved game we are in right now as the division lines are drawn, as there are players on one side telling the truth, spilling the tea about their unfair treatment in casting, in producing, and there are players on the other side, many of whom work for the official Bachelor Nation podcast, who uphold the sauce, the lie of the show, that everything is just about finding love and there's nothing to see here. And the wars are now bubbling over and this t-shirt is a visual representation of that. You can wear it. You can have your friends ask you what the fuck it means, and then you drag them straight into the pit. Exactly. It is a beautiful item that can be adorned on your body to start your peacocking endeavors, whether that's finding a new friend on the street who's in the pit or cornering your friend at your Dungeons & Dragons party in the kitchen. That's an already friend. (laughs) It's an already friend. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Changing the lives of your already friends. Altering the relationship of your already friends. Dragging them into the pit so that they can be down here with you in the darkness where I like it. I got to say, feels good to be in the pit right now. Feels real fucking good. <laughs> you know what I mean? It does. I mean, I'm... I feel like our digging deepers are getting really good as the saucers are ramping up. Our one a couple of weeks ago was really good. Our one that will come out on Monday, next Monday, is going to be Chef's Kiss, even better because the saucers are going to ratchet up what we saw in tonight's game. The destruction that these producers are doing to Rachel Recchia, I couldn't believe it. And we've already started to see. Which side of these sauce wars Rekia might be on herself? Did you see that post that I made from her? I believe it was from her TikTok. It's a, a shot of her throwing a rose toward the camera, like in her apartment or something, post shooting. And on the doorframe, in very small letters, she's put literally traumatizing. Did you see that? <laughs> no. Did she delete it? I don't know. It was just this subtle nod to. The show fucked me over. She's already showing which side she's on. I mean, she seems like she's saying she's being traumatized throughout the whole episode in every ITM in so many words. <laughs> exactly. And they literally put it in the document. Jesus Christ, what a document. It seems like they are rotating. Episodes two and three were both about actively destroying the leads. And episode four did the exact same thing. <laughs> Let's get into it. Let's do what we came here for. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. We begin episode four, week three of the regular season. As we begin, all 
episodes so far this season. Tonight on The Bachelorette, we see guys on the boat, a million drone shots. My prediction came true for the drone shots. Did you notice? Okay, we'll get to this. We'll get to this when we get to the actual boat. Okay, sorry. I'm I'm one shot into my list of promo shit, and I'm like, let's start a two-hour-long conversation. We do have several debates that we have going on right now (laughs) that we have to keep track of. (laughs) Sometimes the pit turns into a debate stage. We get all these shots of the guys on the boat with drones. We get Paris kissing. There's two separate groups now, two separate journeys, more kissing. Gabby's crying. Hot tubs, strawberries, fairy tales. Meatball is back. Someone says he doesn't, in quotes, trust these bitches. That's what Meatball says someone else said. There's forced violence. There's tears. There's DLP laying down the law. Rekia is tearsing, and she says she's so over this. She's so done. And that's the end of the promo. That's how we come into tonight's big game. Portion one begins. It's the mansion in the morning. The guys are all asking each other who is in which group. Team Gabby or Team Rachel. This, of course, is not a competition, though, between two women. It is not that. Uh, We've been told that time and time again. This is just two best friends together, falling in love. And yet, all of these guys are like, show of hands, who's on Team Rachel? Who's on Team Gabby? They're literally saying this. And we also see Meatball is among them. Meatball is Team Rachel. We never saw a scene with Meatball being resurrected. Meatball is simply there. Meatball has been given a second shot by Rachel Recchia. He says, when did we see any of this shit? Were we supposed to have watched the fucking tag from last week and inferred it? Terrible producing from moment one. Meatball participating in the guy chat where the guys are raising their hands to say if they're team Rachel or team Gabby without explaining to us that his resurrection was successful was my wowie (laughs) moment of the week. Oh God. Usually the wowies are more insidious. This one is a, you know, it's a humorous one, but it just feels lazy. At least start with that meatballs back in the game you can't just have him in a group shot and not explain it he rejected a fucking rose supposedly at this point the worst thing that has ever happened to rachel recchi in her life or at least she says the most embarrassing thing (laughs) was that and he was the final rejection in a string of three and now nothing is made of it and so i must now take you to a certain place it is called Conspiracy Town. Population. Me. Always the same population. (laughs) Well, I mean, if anybody wants to join me in Conspiracy Town, there's real estate available. You will have to build your own house. Last week, we saw this rose ceremony, and we were led to believe that indeed... Rachel Reckia didn't know it was happening, that there were going to be these rejections. We were also led to believe that these guys thought, oh, well, if I reject her rose, maybe I'll get picked up by Gabby. She's the one that I'm more interested in. We were led to believe that any of that was real. The embarrassment they felt, uh, the tears that were shed. What I now bring you is the idea that it was all fake, that it was all scripted, that Gabby and Rachel talked to one another about which guys they would each be selecting. They talked to producers about that as well. The producers knew the math of the situation and they said, hey, this isn't going to work out. 
Two of your guys have to go home. In fact, let's do a cliffhanger. Let's get Meatball to reject it and then bring him back. And I think the other two guys who rejected the roses were probably told by producers to do so in exchange for a birth to paradise, touching that sand. Hmm. I believe they were given paradise deals because these deals notoriously are unenforceable. A producer can be like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll take you to paradise. And then they either just never fucking do it. You just never fucking get the call or they fucking Alexa Ray caves your ass and they hold you hostage in a hotel room <laughs> for two fucking weeks and they don't let you even see the sand, let alone touch the sand. That is what I believe happened. That is uh, where I'm now living in conspiracy town. That's the big you know, weird psychopath board that I have in my living room in conspiracy town with the different colored yarn going from different players and meatball to this one. One of my many boards. <laughs> okay. The part I will go with you on the part I will be like, okay, is the paradise offer for those guys. I believe that that is true. That they had that, I believe that these guys, I believe that a lot of players don't understand that Paradise offers that they revoke them all the time. That they are just like, they drag people along for months, for years, for years. Some people they drag along with like promises of whatever. And so I do believe that maybe that happened for, who was it, Termaine and Alec Garza. The part that sticks for me, I would say would be Rekia's part. I feel like she is not in on this. I feel like she is just getting... She's not in on this? Excuse me. She's not in on this? I think she's getting just prodded, poked and prodded from all ends. I think they're trying to destroy her. I think they're trying to get her to quit. I don't know. You think Rachel Rekia thought to herself, well, Meatball rejected my rose, but now Meatball is sitting across from me in the tag and Meatball seems sincere. Meatball seems like he wants to really give this relationship a shot. And you know what? I like Meatball. I really do have feelings for Meatball. Yes, I'll let him come back. You think no. any of that was real? That's all fake. We didn't see that. We didn't see her say, oh, Meatball, I have feelings for you. No, but that's what's implied. If he's back in the game on Team Rachel, it means that she's open to a relationship with him. It's implied she agreed to do a trial, Rose, whatever. Like, okay, you can stick around. I like the pasta you make me. You've promised me you're going to tattle on everyone. I don't know if it was an overt promise to tattle that he was maybe using as a bargaining chip. If so, love to see that footage. Show me the meatball tattle footage. Because if he's doing that, that is high-level gameplay, and he's a much better player than is uh, coming through in the document. I think they're picking a meatball every season. I think he is playing... I think his hero player is Ed Wayspraw, and he's just like, tell me what you want me to do. Interesting. Interesting. That could be. Because this tattle was an interesting one, and we will get to that tonight. Hopefully. We're fucking 17 minutes into the show, oh, and... Okay, but first, Mario says, and who's here for the right reasons? And Quincy goes, yeah, who's here for the right reasons? And someone laughs. Yeah, because no one they is. just have this discussion. Oh, God, it's so dumb. Hey, but you can feel the producers are like, you guys should have a conversation. You know, ask around, who's here for the things for the right reasons? And then they're all like, okay, who's here for the right reasons? Ha, ha, ha. 
The producers are so bad this season. I mean, having the teams, having the team Gabby and team Rachel, we're not pitting them against each other. And then every single shot in this episode was like the jump cut to like, oh, we're not going to pit them against each other. Team Rachel, team Gabby. Team Rachel, team Gabby. Wait till we get to this fucking one-on-one where they're literally fucking cross-cutting between them kissing different guys so that it's a literal fucking comparison of who's kissing better, who's falling in love better. Fucking shot to shot. They're not fucking comparing them. This isn't a competition. The way they're presenting it is a fucking competition. It's unreal. Anyway, we'll get to that in just a second. Right here in the fifth line of my notes. Anyway, Meatball (laughs) says, Rachel's giving me a second shot. I performed a successful resurrection and Nate is still narrating this whole show. I think Hayden said some untoward things towards Gabby. And we see Hayden telling a bunch of people about what happened, what the drama was with him and Windakia. He tells someone I use the word rough around the edges. They's like, oh, that's kind of rough, bro. And we see these weird shots of Meatball. He is this silent clown now lurking. He is <laughs> back in the action. He knows he's at the lowest of the pack. He has to do the producer's oh, bidding God. and he's interrogating Hayden. And Hayden says, Gabby used the word twice to describe herself. That's why I used it regarding rough around the edges. And that's what they threw back in my face. And there's this line that is off face. I would hope Gabby is a little more mature than that, as if he is saying it in this conversation with Meatball. And he says, I don't think I said anything wrong. To be honest, my dumbass uses the same verbiage. She didn't like that. Then, bitch, maybe don't use that word to describe yourself then. And we get Meatball's ITM of his interpretation of this conversation. He called them bitches. It's disturbing. Not how you should treat or speak about women at all. As a high-level toddler. What Meatball understands here is that the specifics of language usage in our beloved game don't mean shit. It is, can something you have said be cherry-picked and used against you? And if it can be, (laughs) it will be. Every time. I mean, every fucking time. How you use language in our beloved game is extremely important. And if you say anything, even using one word in context, out of context, in an alternate fucking meaning, it doesn't matter. That word will be used against you. And as we all know, if you give a lead a reason to eliminate you, you will be eliminated. That is their job. If you are not the ring winner or the next crown, your worst moment of the entire time you're there, they're there for a couple weeks. These are Hayden's worst moments that we're seeing. They will be filmed. They will be tattled. Hayden now tells another person, Floater Jordan, and Meatball is continuously watching these. He's this invisible clown in all the walls. gathering all the intel (laughs) i wonder if he had like a producer earpiece and the producers are like meatball get in there now hayden's saying things you must memorize them to the best of your ability so you can misuse them later i mean that really is it's because no everyone knows not to be a villain so in order to get a villain edit at this point it has to be these cherry-picked comments and like little one-offs and things like that um Hayden then says, I'm comparing to my exes. They don't hold a candle to her and I don't want to just settle. We're not, it's unclear who he's referring to here. And, but they make it look like Hayden has put to sleep Jordan, Tino and Eric. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny too. They're all just lying there kind of like, whatever, (laughs) dude. But this string 
of misuses of language, potential actual insults, I still don't quite know. I feel like there was some heavy editing here. I'm not sure what he really actually said in any of this. Nonetheless, everything he said was an error. And so this string of conversation that Hayden had with these guys was my... Error, 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 error of the game. You just don't do it. Like I said, language usage is critically important in our beloved game. And here Hayden proves that he doesn't understand that. He doesn't respect that component of playstyle, And he's just obviously caused a disastrous misstep. And we'll see the consequences of that in the late stages of tonight's game. Dark Lord Palmer enters. We assume he's going to do his standard fake out. Oh, Rachel and Gabby have both quit, but... I guess it's a little less realistic when there's two bachelorettes. And he says, we're headed to a country world famous for romance, headed to France. And then there are these little caveats to we're going to France. Not all of you are headed there. Two men get to go to Paris. (laughs) The other ones, we are not going to tell you yet what your trip is. And Jason and Tino get Gabby and Rachel's one-on-ones respectively. And the rest of the guys, we get a little montage of them packing up, flying away. We see the map with the little line for where the plane's flying. They use that in every season. And then we get a bunch of Paris B-roll. We see Gabby and Rachel are walking hand in hand as they always do this season. Very good friends. We get it. And then we get a forced girl chat in a Parisian cafe about the rose ceremony of rejection, the one that I believe is completely faked. Uh, this, like all girl chats this season, is very forced, poorly acted, and completely scripted. Rachel, she says that she hopes that was her lowest moment. We know that means the producers have some lower moments in store. Yet, anytime <laughs> a producer is asking you to say things like, this is the worst, but the worst is behind me, or nothing's going to go wrong tonight. Anytime they're getting you to say these kind of platitudes, they're about to fucking make you walk through a door and like dump a bucket of liquid shit on your head or something. Like they're really setting you up to fucking wreck you. And that's what's happening here. Don't give them those lines. Oh, absolutely. Now, Gabby and Rachel sit across from each other at a cafe like they are at a job interview. <laughs> nice. French? Yeah. I am in a French tot and I oh. am part French, so I can do a French accent like that. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Fun fact. And I'm Italian. That's that's why I'm so good at the grocery store accent. Ah, that, well, how yeah. do you explain how good you are at British accents? That is just a learned skill. Oh, wow. Congrats. <laughs> that's really good. Rachel and Gabby discuss how the last rose ceremony was Rekia's low moment. No one wants to date me. Why am I here? That was my lowest moment. It's raining. And Rekia ITM's three men rejected me at the rose ceremony. Clues debates this, but she says it was hurtful and embarrassing, frankly. Clues says, no, she was not hurt, not embarrassed. Yes, I don't think she was. Letting you know each step of this, what? Okay. Most embarrassing thing to ever have happened to me. I questioned whether anyone would accept my rose. My insecurities are brought out as being compared to one another. And I have a huge fear men in my group won't even be interested in me and will want to switch over to pursue Gabby. Seems like a really insightful worry. (laughs) 
because none of this is real. But even the idea that she's like, I hate having our insecurities being brought out as being compared to one another, she says. Then what unfolds is a literal one-on-one date of comparison. It's unfucking believable She's saying in the document, this is my greatest fear. This is what I don't want to happen. Then the producers literally do it. Immediately, literally do it. And I'm not even talking about in the way they're setting up the date. I'm talking about in the construction of the actual document, knowing that Rachel Recchia and Gabby Wendy, for that matter, are sitting at home watching this back. She's saying in her ITMs, I don't want this to happen. And then they do it. And they say, watch this. That's the fucking producers. That's who you're dealing with. If you go into this game, you have to be smarter than them. You have to fucking outmaneuver them. You can get very good outcomes if you go into this game. But you have to be good. You have to be on your game or they're going to fuck you every time. That's all I'll say. Okay, coach. I'll try to do better. (laughs) Thank you. That's all I wanted. (laughs) Portion two begins. We're in the Halle de France. A seagull flies by the port city so fast, strutting its stuff, but not my creature. Not my new. Dark Lord Palmer greets the men in French, which starts one of my favorite runners through this episode, that Dark Lord Palmer is speaking so much French and he's putting a lot of uh, a lot of emotionality into it. I really was entertained by him this episode. This is his Canadian pride. This is a skill he picked up north of the wall for sure. Probably oh, in yeah. grade school and junior high. This is probably the language he learned. And he wants to show that shit off. I love it. This is something you never would have seen Dark Lord Harrison do because he doesn't have the skill. This differentiates Dark Lord no. Palmer. He I has mean, this ability to communicate with an entire other country. It's incredible. I loved it. And it, I mean, it was honestly a little bit distracting. I was like, he is shining. Mm-hmm. If he were a player right now, he would be the MVP. Oh, Jesus. Are you going to give Dark Lord Palmer your MVP? I guess we'll have to wait and see. No, that would be illegal, but. Oh, I mean, you could do whatever you want. He tells, I think I've given some non-players my MVP before. I know. You've given everything to everything. (laughs) Yeah. Dark Lord Palmer tells the guys that they aren't staying in La Havre. Instead, they're going to be on a ship. The Virgin Voyage's valiant lady. She is a luxurious state-of-the-art ocean liner that will be their home base, he tells them. And then we see the guys loosed upon the valiant lady, and we get our first I Love Cleveland as their running through the place. We get to see the interior of it. I have to say, the ship, the Valiant Lady, seems pretty fucking cool. Much bigger and better than any of the other bubble seasons, in my opinion. I I thought that it was kind of a return to the opulence of yore. I would say certain elements of it. For me, the locations where they were doing the guy chats still felt Mm prison-esque. And now we get these drone shots. Yeah. One of our arguments. The drone shots are so, like, highly saturated. They are directly from above. The ship is empty. It is absolutely the promo shots that... The ship's not empty. No, it's the the Virgin Voyages Valiant Lady Company. But there there are drone shots in this show that have Gabby, Wendy, Rachel Recchi in them on the deck and the guys. But there are a couple drone shots, but they are not as good. 
There are drone shots in here that are by the triple VLC. This is their promotional material. Bachelor camera mm. people, I think, did a couple of the drone shots, but they were the ones that had Rachel and Gab in them. Yes. And they definitely did the ones at night of the boat at night on the water. I, I don't remember the night one, but oh. there are Virgin Voyage Valiant Lady Corporation drone people at work on this. I <laughs> I am 100% certain. <laughs> I guess we'll never know unless a Virgin Valiant Lady Voyage crew member who flew the drones comes forward and lets us interview. Yeah, this boat was actually named after Maddie Prue. She now owns it. Now she's engaged to a trout. She's definitely going to own a boat this big at some point very soon. But we learned from the guys that the two teams are going to be separated from one another on the ship on separate floors. And then we see the guys screaming off the deck into the wind. A very familiar shot. Back with the crowns, Tino and Jason show up to the little Parisian cafe in which the crowns sit. And uh, they all kind of sit down together. Hi, how you doing? Good to see you. And then the two couples walk in opposite directions as they exit the cafe. And this begins, in my opinion, the worst one-on-one date that has ever been recorded in terms of how it's presented. This is a standard win in Rome. You're going to walk around the city. You're going to take in some local sites. You're going to interact with some local storefronts. You're going to do what people do in that area. And both of these couples are on that same type of date. As it's starting, though, there is a shot that is not terrible it is a shot that is so beautiful. It is the Parisian rain. A Parisian pigeon shakes off the rain off of its feathers, and it is strutting its stuff. Despite all of these circumstances, it is going to shake off the bad vibes of the crowns being pitted against each other. They're going to find love, and that's why this pigeon was my. <laughs> <laughs> Creature of the Week. Oh, very nice. Very eloquent. It was not my Creature of the Week, but it was a good creature. So we now see uh, Rekia saying in an ITM that she needs Paris to bring her out of her low place. This is as Tino is carrying an umbrella over her. And so they go into a chocolate store. And then we have Gabby and Jason walking the streets with their own umbrella. And she ITMs knowing... Uh, He was shy, so she waited until he felt comfortable to open up to give him this date. And they talk about being to France before. Jason has been to France, but not to Paris. Gabby's ITMing being attracted to his silence, but she wants him to break out of the shell. Then they're getting their heads measured for uh, berets. And now Gabby's ITMing looking bad in a beret. She's joking. Ha ha ha. Now we're back on Rekia's date. She's eating crepes. I loved the... uh... The head measuring for the beret, the Parisian beret measurer. Yeah, I did too. I might make some memes of that later this week. But then we cut back to Rekia on her date. She's eating crepes with Tino. And now they're making crepes. And they're talking about being on cloud nine. And there's some kissing. They go to a cafe for their talking time. And he's talking about love level wanting her. Now we're back to Gabby and Jason. They're drinking some wine. They're getting on a carousel in front of the soccer court. Just go back one second. There is an ITM I think we must highlight. Please. Which is Gabby's. She is in the beret. And she says, obviously, I didn't wear the right hairstyle to look good in a beret. I look like maybe a bald baby, that queen from Snow White, a chef. And she is just launching these off left and right. A lovable dingbat through and through. Oh, it was a great ITM. I agree. And... 
after this, we go back to Rekia, as I said, then back to Gabby, then back to Rekia to finish the portion. So the day portion of this one-on-one date, of these two one-on-one dates, are cut together literally shot against shot so that you are doing nothing but comparing how these two dates are going. This is what Rekia has opened this episode by saying that's her worst nightmare. This is what she doesn't want to happen. That's what brings about the anxiety. That's what makes her feel like shit. They're literally doing it. So whatever she felt on the day that drove her to tears in these ITMs and not want to be here anymore, et cetera, et cetera, she's forced now to relive it as this episode is airing because of how they're cutting it. Specifically mm-hmm. to juxtapose them, specifically to compare them. It's unfucking believable to me what they're doing to these leads this season. Specifically to compare them, it makes it really hard for those of us who are trying to gather the data <laughs> from this episode. Especially frustrating oh. having to keep putting the new headlines in there. Thought my script coordinating days were over. I hear you. This uh, this season no. has been a hard one to take the notes on just because there is so much cutting back and forth and there's two teams of guys and there's two leads, et cetera, et cetera. But I just wanted to make the point that this entire day portion was literally nothing but a visual comparison of the two leads, a visual examination of their competition, essentially. Who's having the better one-on-one date? It was montages. It was completely montages, which, sure, you have a little of that on a when-in-Rome date. Usually, you know, you have, like, say, Nick Bial eating a beignet, and it's all over his face, something like that. that such a beautiful moment in our beloved game. I'll never you know, forget it. Some beautiful meme-worthy moments. But we don't get a single conversation during the day portion where usually you get to know maybe some part of their personality that's lighthearted or something. I mean, we're Gabby is carrying this whole thing with her colorful narration and her French accents and stuff. There was a part where I thought Rekia was doing a French accent and I was like, whoa. And then it turned out they were cutting back to Gabby again. They tricked you. (laughs) But I mean, they're not showing us anything else. This is also, by the way, the first halves of two, what should be very important, one-on-ones. We know nothing about these guys from this. Almost nothing is said by anyone. And that is bad producing. I know they've got two leads and they have to service now two storylines, but to just ram them all together, they they gave them the same fucking umbrella. So you don't even know, like as they're walking around the rain, they kind of look similar. You don't know who you're with. It was just a fucking mess. The guys look kind of similar. I, I couldn't, I, I, it, it was jarring and you have to keep reorienting yourself. And I don't, I mean, we'll, we'll get to it. There's, there's further editing in this episode. That frustrated me as well. They the montages are beautiful though. They're kissing in the rain in beautiful places in 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 Paris. And Reki is loving it. She's got her groove back. I see why they call Paris the city of love. It does something to you. There is a lot of kiss counts from both Tino and Jason with their respective partners. And Reki Itam, they don't want this date to end. It really feels like a fairy tale. Will it be torn to shreds? Yes, it will. Already is. We saw it in the promos. Of course it's going to be. There is a casting card at the beginning of this portion. And this is a good one. (laughs) Dark Lord Palmer says, Your boyfriend lives in a van by the river. We can do better. Apply to be on The Bachelor. (laughs) I fast forward through him, I guess. I didn't see that one. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Whatever. I mean, Mm. whatever. Okay. 
I guess that's just what they're that was doing. A shot though. at Dini babies. Well, I mean, it's a reference to a Chris Farley character that was on Saturday Night Live way before Dini Babies was on TV. I live in a van down by the river. You don't remember that guy? He was like a motivational speaker. I guess. Yeah. It's another old media reference that is not of this era. That's like faint. Like, oh, I thought it was just like a general dig at Dini Babies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your boyfriend who makes millions of dollars a year doing travel photography. He might live in a van. No. All right. Let's move on. Portion three. Paris. The two couples meet back up for a double date type scenario. The girls go off inside for a grill chat. And uh, Gabby jokingly says, I'm in love. I, does this count as a love level four? I don't think so. The guys are then forced to talk about their experiences outside. Jason says uh, his day has been great for him. Effortless. And then Gabby tells Rekia that they talked about nothing deep. It was all surface. And Rekia says it was so amazing, but she's so scared with Tino. Paris is insane, she says. And Gabby tells her it's okay to be scared. Rekia then ITMs feeling strong feelings for Tino and not knowing how to handle them. Night falls and we see a table set up in one of the many Catholic churches in Paris. This is a beautiful location. I will give the producers props for that. Oh, my favorite. The producers are finding some really incredible locations all season long, it seems like. And they do here, again, knock it out of the park with this. Um, so they're sitting and eating dinner. And Tino opens with a, how you doing? Asks her how she's feeling after last week's rose ceremony. Rekia says that rose ceremony was the hardest moment she's had as the bachelorette. She says to have people not care about how it would affect her, she says, was, made her insecure uh, and she didn't want to be rejected. That's the whole show, though, is people not caring how you're affected. In fact, maliciously trying to affect you in a negative way. Those are the producers. Tino is understanding here. Rekia shifts to the topics of career and family. She says this is why her last relationship failed, skipping a little bit over Clayton here. She explains that when people realize what it takes to date a pilot, <laughs> they get scared of cheating and the traveling. And Tino says he totally understands it. In his industry, I don't know what his industry is. A lot of people get married young, he says. Construction. Oh, the construction industry known for its young marriages. <laughs> that was a weird line. <laughs> I had I was like, what fucking industry is it that people get married young? The polygamy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is he in some kind of religious cult? But um, he tells her that her passion for her career lights him up inside and he wants to be with somebody who's passionate about their career. They both want family and kids, they find out. He was nervous about uh, acknowledging that. And she says she really wants a family and to get married very soon. I thought that was a false nervousness. Yeah, I did too. It's like, this is The Bachelor, dude. Everybody wants to get married and have kids immediately, or so they say. They all want kids unless they specify it. Yeah. Tino can't promise it's always going to be easy, but he thinks it's possible. He talks about his own parents being models, and he explains how his dad found ways to make it work by getting up early and with the right person, it can work. Rekia then tells him that she can tell he's serious and she needed today to get back on track. I really like you, she says. That's a love level one from Rachel Rekia. Tino says he wouldn't keep accepting the roses if he will, wasn't willing to go to war for it. Interesting choice of words. Ooh. But it's scary for him, too. We get a kiss here, and she picks up that rose, thanks him for turning things around, and says this is the easiest rose I've ever had to give. That's because the producers made her give roses to guys she doesn't give a shit about in the last rose ceremony, like Meatball. And so the act of giving those roses is essentially lying. It's essentially saying, here, I want you to stick around, even though you actually don't. So those were harder roses to give, of course. Meatball was the 
was the easier rose to give. She didn't even give it to him. It was just like, <laughs> That's right. be like here's your ticket. <laughs> yeah, they gave him a rose afterwards. And so Tino here gets that one-on-one A rose. That is a zero pointer. And he ITMs. I think I was meant to find this girl and make her happy forever. So it's like falling in love with Rachel is coming faster than I could ever imagine. I'm giving this a loaded love level two. That's what I gave it as well. Okay, good. And they make out. I feel like Tino is playing a very solid game. I mean, he's a front runner in this pack, I would say. I feel like he's modeling himself a lot after Tyler Cameron, especially after that parasocial play he did last week. We talked about in Twibbon. Yeah. Where he he posted a picture of Popeye and Tyler. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just like anytime you're going to compare somebody to Tyler Cameron, who is in my mind, kind of a God of the game. Like he's in the top tier of players that have ever fucking lived. Is Tino Mm going to be remembered at that level after his playing days are done? No, not even close. I don't think anybody from this season will be honestly. Um, but I, I agree with what you're saying. He's playing a solid game, a strong game. He, you know, didn't have to come out with a PTC or anything here, really. It was just like standard. I support you. I like what you're doing. We want the same things. Great. You turn my weekend around. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Back on Bodie McVirgin face. The guys are having a guy chat. They love their bar slash clubhouse slash balcony slash prison. <laughs> France is just outside, but they're trapped. And Jordan even says, we can kind of go outside if we want. Lol. <laughs> that's unreal. That's like you get an hour in the yard. Yeah. Can they even go like in the pool? Like No, I think they're being held prisoner. I, I truly believe it. At this point, but nonetheless, a date card shows up and our prisoners get excited. The date card is for Nate, Kirk, Quincy, Eric, Michael, Mario, Spencer, and Johnny. It reads love conquers all, but not without a fight. And all of the guys immediately knows what, know what this means at this point. This is the professional era. If you put the word fight on a date card, everybody in that room knows they're going to have to kick the living shit out of each other for the entertainment of a bachelorette. It's kind of like players in the Hunger Games waiting for like, what is the theme of this year going to be? And then they're like, oh, it's going to be water fighting. Somebody even says at the end of this, let's see some blood. Somebody says that. I think it was Johnny. Eric ITMs right before they get the date card. It's interesting to see our group compared to Rachel's because I think we're significantly more competitive. This moment to me, it's like, we're not pitting them against each other in a competition. We just call our two groups, Team Rachel and Team Gabby, and ask the guys to compare the groups of men in their ITMs of who is more competitive in the group date competitions. It's unbelievable that they would ever even have the audacity to ever say, this season isn't about them competing. That's how they were marketing it. That's not what this is about. And then they even made them go out on like Good Morning America and shit and say that shit. It's yeah. unfucking believable. God damn it. Anyway, night falls. We're back on the one-on-one B with Gabby and Jason. They're walking the streets. They come to a restaurant for dinner. Gabby says it seems that he's pretty reserved. He says, yeah, 
He's a pretty private guy. And it's hard for him to open up unless he's in a comfortable situation. He explains that getting in the situation has been very overwhelming. He says he didn't eat or sleep for three days at the beginning of the show. Then he had a fucking breakdown. You know, normal dating type stuff. And he explains his sensitivity to energy. I mean, this is fucking insane. They tortured this guy for three fucking days until he had a nervous breakdown. That's how his love story began. This was like a multiple part PTC. It's a PTC of just what he's endured in the game. And then his basically he tells this tennis story about how he felt he had to prove himself in tennis and then hated it and quit. Yeah, I don't know if this counts necessarily as a PTC. I didn't see the, the tragedy here that took place. It was like a PTC light or something. If a sport, if someone is losing their sport, it's a it's a PTC if it's baseball, but not if it's tennis clues. Wait, That's weird. who was that? Who was that PTC? That's weird. You went on a whole thing about how someone's PTC about football or baseball like affected you because you had to quit baseball. No. You remember this? Yeah, I do. But that if I remember right, that was somebody who was like a pro football player or something. That's a career going down the shitter. This is just some kid who was like, fuck tennis when he was a junior in high school or something, you know? You don't know that it wasn't his career. It seemed like it was his career. And he... All right. Okay. I stand corrected. Maybe it was. So we'll give it a PTC. But he basically <laughs> says, this is why it takes him a while to open up. He said he was worse than all his friends. Like, it, was, it had a PTC vibe to me. Okay. PTC it is. And he says that he's had to go through some therapy to figure out how to speak up for what he wants now. He has power again, and he wishes that he knew how to do this as a kid. Gabby then mirrors his PTC. She brings up her mom being unable to love her as a kid again. We've heard that PTC played last week. We're hearing it again. And he says he's sorry to hear about her mom. Gabby says that therapy has helped her learn how to receive love because she never had it as a child from her mom. Her mom doesn't have the tools to love her back. And Gabby says there are some benefits to what her mom did, like grace and a sense of humor. And they bond over the inner child work of therapy. And she says, it's great to meet a guy who appreciates therapy. And she brings up Hayden, calling her rough around the edges. And Jason says, he doesn't deserve you to open up to him. That was a great fucking line, I thought. I thought Jason really played this whole date well. Oh, Jason brought it. I was like, shy style resurgence here. He's talking about his walls he's talking about therapy probably knows that gabby has talked about therapy as well and (laughs) it also to me made sense i was like oh he's so shy style he didn't even make his instagram public until week three oh my god this is that guy huh yeah interesting nonetheless it all works here uh she says i knew there was something about you and this conversation with you validates it gets a little kiss and Gabby gives him that one-on-one rose. And then she ITMs not thinking she would find somebody. And now it's right in front of her face and she produces tears. So we know that he has had a, a very strong and good effect on her over the course of this night portion. Portion five begins. Day on the ship. Gabby is in a ring doing kickboxing with the trainer. And all of Team <laughs> Gabby walks in and says, somebody says, oh, we're definitely throwing hands. Someone says that as they come into this room and she ITMs that she's just excited to spend time and have a new experience with the guys. And she tells them all then that they will be practicing the art of French boxing savat. And to help out, she brought in Haifa and her husband, Kareem. They are two savat trainers. This is an exact repeat of a season 25 date down to literally an instructor saying you must fight for love. 
and you're going to be going head to head. They tell all the guys, we're going to pair you off and force you to fight. And again, we have seen this in season 25. And didn't we also see this? No, that was the Extreme Pillow Fight League season 24. And Haifa says, let's go, just like the Ultimate Viking. And the guys do a bunch of exercises. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And One Skin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the, the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go to I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt. And <laughs> my um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. Mm. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. 
and I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, MeUndies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies. Comfort from the outside in. And while they work out, we see who? For TRR Nate, he's off on a little one-on-one time with Gabby, telling her that it was a good week for her to do, that it was a good idea for her to do an all-eggs, one-basket week, and he tells her that he missed her. This is how you play a group date. Yeah, ain't in the ring. The real ring is out of the ring. It is Gabby. Totally agree. This was a fantastic play by Nate. Uh, I was glad to see it. I'm curious to know if anybody else made these kinds of plays. This is all we're getting in the document, which obviously means Nate is going to go a long way. Quincy is not quite pulling an IFI here, but he was doing another strategy I appreciated of he keeps complaining dramatically. It says, I need an <laughs> oxygen tank. <laughs> yeah, he's so fucking funny. He's He's quickly becoming one of my favorite players. But we see Rachel Recchia pondering off the back of a deck as she's ITMing Tino, turning her experience around. And a seagull cause on Virgin McBoatface to represent the watery prison the losers will have to return to because it's a play for time. That is true. And then Recchia is pondering off the deck as she ITMs Tino, turning her experience around. And then she comes into this gym boxing room and meets Gabby. And Recchia's guys are going to come to watch the fights. You called that during our live show before watching. Well, they did this on uh, season 16 as well when the guys were forced to fight uh, for Claire Crawley's entertainment. Or no, sorry, that was Tasha Adams at that point. I forget which Bachelorette it was it at was that point. Noah. Noah Herb, I remember, came in and crashed the date and jumped over the fence and shit. Noah jumped over the fence. Who was the Bachelorette? See, I can't even remember. It was either Crawley. I think it was Crawley. Or it might have been Tasha. I don't know if they had made the switch yet or not. At any rate, it's a very similar kind of uh, setup to that. But when Wendy's guys come in, Eric says they've got people in the stands. And I don't know if you noticed this. The entire arena was full of people hanging like over the edge and shit watching this match. Mm -hmm. Who the fuck are these people? All of the em employees of the Virgin Valiant, Valiant Virgin. That's what it is, so. right? It's not like people were not on the cruise at this point. They weren't in there with just like regular people. They had bought the whole cruise. That is something I was wondering the whole time. Me too. Did they buy the whole cruise? Because we're seeing a lot of the guys in their little hangout room and not a lot of the guys at maybe the more beautiful parts of the boat, like the pools or anything outside. Or I guess it's loud. That's the problem on a boat. You're telling me The Bachelor now all of a sudden gives a fuck about what audio quality sounds like? <laughs> you know who does care about what audio quality sounds like? is Dark Lord Palmer, because in this French-Canadian accent, he is altering the hearts and minds of Bachelor Nation tonight as he announces this battle. And it is the clip that we played at the beginning of this episode. A beautiful thing to hear. I love to hear a Dark Lord expressing his talents. 
And then we get our first match. It's Nate versus Eric. And Nate kneels down and he tells Gabby that there are all these little things that he likes about her, how she crosses her legs. And he says that he's paying attention to everything. And Eric says... Oh, yeah. I like how they, they listen to your heart at the boxing match where they were like, you have to fight and you have to show your chemistry. Yeah. You have to kneel down here and do some kind of weird wedding proposal and then kick the shit out of each other. Eric says he loves <laughs> unconditionally and deeply. And um, just before we get into Rachel Rakia's reaction, I want to say, if you find yourself on a date like this, you have a couple of courses of action. One, and this is the one that I would recommend the most, you take a fucking punch. You, for a brief moment, don't defend yourself and take a punch straight to the nose so that you get a bloody nose. Get some damage on you. And then you can IFI. It's believable. If there is blood, it cannot be questioned. And you're going to get extra one-on-one time. You're going to have to then bow out of the actual activity and everything will be fine. Now, two, there's, an, there's a flip side to this. Well, you don't want to actually break it. Then you have to leave the quarantine. Yeah, don't break it. Well, you're wearing face gear and they're not trained fighters like you'll probably be all right a little damage that's all you're looking for or you can actually try to kill the other person you can try to go so fucking hard <laughs> experimental play kill them yes oh god death in the ring it's like gladiator when he kills the guy and he's like are you not entertained and you look right at whoever the bachelorette is or a producer and you say, isn't this what you wanted? This is a parody podcast. Everything we say is humor. It does not represent the views of all parties of Game of Roses Corporation. LLC. Okay, so now let's get to Rekia's <laughs> reaction to this. When they cut to her, she's there watching and her guys are off to the side. When they cut to her, they throw in like psycho music. I, I don't know if you heard this, but it is like this weird, dark, dramatic music. This is the other editing problem I had. I want to see these fights. I want to see Gabby's reaction. Am I watching that? No, I'm just getting this Rachel Rekia insecurity story. Oh, these fights. This is probably it went from being a very poorly edited and produced first one on one series to one of the worst group edits I've ever seen in my fucking life. The As you're saying, the entire thing becomes about Rachel Recchia being mad that none of her guys are coming to talk to her. So Gabby's entire group date is completely undermined. It is some of the worst narrative undercutting I've ever seen. You built up this whole thing. These guys are training. They're going to have to fight each other. Gabby's getting into it. Oh, shit. They're coming out of the tunnel. It's a play for time. Only one of them gets to move on. Well, I mean, it's a subjective play for time. So whatever. There's no real winning metric. But they build up all this fucking narrative drama about like these fights we're going to have. And oh, fuck, what's going to happen? Then nothing. They don't even show you the fucking shit. They show you a couple guys getting their arms raised. You see none of the fights. As you're saying, none of Gabby's reaction. It's just Rachel Recchia being pissed off that these guys aren't talking to her. Which, by the way, guys, talk to her. What the fuck are you doing? This was the plot of last episode. I couldn't believe they made they made this episode about this as well. That people aren't stepping up to talk to them. I agree. It, this is just basic gameplay strategy. If you can't figure out that the lead, especially in a scenario like this where it's like you're in quotes lead, you're in her circle is sitting by her fucking self and you don't go talk to her? It's insane. Like, for being in the professional era, this is something you never would have seen happen even like three or four years ago. Katie Thurston tweeted tonight, the biggest rule of the show is that there are no rules. I feel like these guys thought they weren't allowed to talk to Rachel during Gabby's date and now she's upset. Let me throw <laughs> something else on the, the pile. Is it more about murder 
I bought you a ticket. You want to come on a ride with me? To Conspiracy Town. Conspiracy Town. Population. Me. <laughs> Another forced Conspiracy Town ride. <laughs> these producers told these men do not talk to her when they sent them in there. Specifically to fucking make her feel bad. And you know, in your heart of hearts, that's totally possible and probable even. You know it. Uh, I hate to say it. It feels right. I know. Population too. Yeah. (laughs) Got it. I just doubled the fucking population conspiracy town tonight. Fucking love it. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Look, I think they are trying to... Rachel, Rachel, wreck Rachel Reckia right now. This episode was, again, hard for me to watch because I don't like watching that that aspect of the show, the destruction of leads. Nobody does. Why are they doing it? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Everyone keeps saying to watch Joe Millionaire to see how you should do two leads. I don't have the time. I'm watching Love Island and I'm watching, you know, the rehearsal and... The boys and <laughs> I gotta watch F Boy Island. It's a long list before Joe Millionaire. <laughs> Indeed. But anyway, we get through this boxing date, and at the end of it, uh Gabby awards the belt to Spencer. This is a producer choice. She has no choice in the matter. And then Rekia ITMs sobbing that no one came to talk to her while Gabby was in the ring. And she says, I'm having too many of these moments. The producers are orchestrating them specifically to have this outcome, to destroy you. This is the current job of wearing the crown. And she ends this ITM by saying, I'm so done. We begin portion six. It is night in the pink agave lounge. Gabby and Spencer are spending their boxing win time together. And Gabby ITMs her attraction to military allegiance. He tells her that he felt indebted to the military. (laughs) And Gabby identifies with that allegiance to the war machine. And he gets a kiss. And we're having a positive moment for Gabby Wendy. So obviously what we need is a negative moment for Rachel Reckia. as she glares out the ship window. My guys are totally ignoring me. I feel like there's no one here for me. And we cut back to the guys talking and they're like, when is the last time we even saw Rachel? And someone, I believe Zach, says the last time we saw her was before Rose Ceremony. And someone's like, we saw her tonight. And he's like, oh yeah, tonight. Yeah. But that to me is like, I'm telling you, I they brought in Rachel Reckia first. They didn't bring her in with the guys. That would have been a whole no. different fucking story. They bring her in. They sit her in kind of a secluded area that is like, it looks like it's for the leads. That little bench that she was sitting on with uh, Gabby mm-hmm. Wendy. Yeah, they're on their special table. Thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it seems at least like it, it's implied that you can't go over there. That's why I think it probably yeah. was outright stated. Don't talk to her unless we tell you to. You're just here to watch the fight and support your friends. Yeah, I mean, look, I already told you. I wouldn't put it past them. I've joined your your fucking town. Thank you. (laughs) And we get more of these ITMs from Rachel Recky. I don't know why I feel more desperate on the side of being the Bachelorette than being a contestant on the Bachelor on Clayton season. Clayton made me feel better. 
I'm supposed to be the only thing you care about. I feel like Gabby's guys get it. Do you know why she feels like that? Why it's worse to be the Bachelorette than it was to be on Clayton's season? Because Clayton is 4TRR. Because in Clayton's season, and this is true of any season, you're only going to have one week where you're going head-to-head against another player. That's the finals, if you make it that far. You only have one week where it's you and one other person in this weird experience going head-to-head in some form of competition. This season of The Bachelorette is two months of it. Every fucking day, all day, because you're the lead. So you're involved in everything that's happening, and so is the other lead. You're doing the last week of finals for two fucking months at a time. It is brutal. I cannot imagine what either Gabby, Wendy, or Rachel Reckia have gone through psychologically. I think it's probably the worst experience a lead has ever had. And that's saying something after the last three years of bubble seasons. I mean, this is episode four? Yeah. And she's just shattering before our eyes. And she's saying, I want to quit. Like, she, she does seem to be having the worst time of any bachelorette that... I can remember we haven't done our bachelor hyper binge yet. Well, well, someone's trying to <laughs> mm. clues is maybe trying to. Mm. Uh, oh, I see. <laughs> well, we cut back to the after party of the group date, which is just Spencer, and we don't see their conversation. We only see Rekia being insecure, and Rekia crashes this guy chat of Team Rachel. As you guys can see, I'm pretty upset. You did accept my rose. You did tell me you want to be here. You made me feel hurt and unseen. You want, I want you to be here for me. I'm trying to make eye contact with someone. No one was looking at me. No one came over. And every single moment you get, we don't get that many. My feelings are extremely hurt. I was upstairs crying about it. I haven't seen a lot of you guys in a while. And no one grabs her here again. I'm like, someone step up. Team Rachel is not as competitive as Team Gabby, it would appear. Yeah, and this is, it was strange to me too. It it seemed so strange, in fact, that I was like, the producers had to have told them not to go after her. Like if somebody tried, they had to have set them back down. Not one of those fucking guys was like, this is a great opportunity to go talk to her. Not fucking Tino, who just came off a great one-on-one date? It makes no sense to me. I think the fix is in here. Always check on the lead at any opportunity you can. You're never, like, the worst that's going to happen is someone will be like, no, go sit over there. Maybe they did. Maybe that did happen, and we're not seeing it. But we're just seeing Rekia in tears. ITM, so over this, so done. I hate every single day of having to get to the point of wanting to leave. She gets to the point of wanting to leave every day. Just absolutely imploding. We begin portion seven with a shot of a swan. This swan is strutting his stuff all over Lake. This swan <laughs> that represents the metamorphosis of Gabby Windy going from an insecure lead to fully embracing the role of bachelorette and ultimately represents the metamorphosis of whatever Rachel Recchia is going to become after the end of this process. (laughs) This one was mine. (laughs) 
Creature of the Week. Love me a good swan. Love that they threw it in here. We have some pretty good creatures to choose from this week, but swan is going to get my Creature of the Week every time, unless there's a shitting donkey or a squirrel. Congratulations. Thank the you. The swan might have been shitting. There's no way to know. On the group date, Tyler wins the race to Rachel. Good little mini move here. I think we know Tyler is a student of this game after this episode. Yes. Rachel says, in LA, I gave each of you a rose. I want to feel chosen back. I hope today you can prove that you choose me. And she brings Team Rachel into a room of this sort of chateau castle thing. And a couple are Frenching hard. The couple are Flora and Boris. And Boris was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. Boris, I mean, Boris and Flora. I could have given it to either one of them. I just went with Boris because I thought he had a funny expression. But uh, (laughs) they don't give a fuck that there's cameras on him. Maybe they, in fact, do because they just keep fucking making out. And I realize that's the joke or whatever, but Jesus Christ, they went for it. They were given their fucking 15 minutes and they took every one of those 15 fucking minutes. They just ate up the screen here. I love seeing it. Good job, Boris. Good job, Flora. Boris and Flora were, they had some stiff competition for bystanders in this episode. We had the beret measure. We had all of the the people at the fight. We had the the two people who taught him about um, Savat. 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 And they basically show the group that they have to do this series of tasks. And Flora says the French are the most romantic people and flirting is a very important step. And I really feel like Flora was really leading this dynamic duo. And that's why Flora was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. week, 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 week. You know, it takes two to tango. It takes two to French hard. And <laughs> Flora and Boris were giving it their all. And I loved it. I loved what came next uh, a little bit more, which is the guys engaging in these various romance activities uh, that Flora and Boris are telling them to do. The first thing is flirting. Yes. Zach is up first. He walks up behind Rachel Reckia and does some kind of strange choke maneuver. Doesn't come off quite as flirting. Jordan does a uh, double hand kiss and then Ethan gives a lowered head kind of double eyebrow raise. I love this face play. This entire segment produced a lot of good face play as guys were reacting to the various flirtations. Um, and then Everybody so far is bad at flirtations. Ethan is up next. He takes a moment, gets into character, and then he starts crawling uh, toward her or something. I'm not quite sure what he was going for here. And then we see some French kissing of their own hands. And once again, a lot of great face play. Hayden delivers a perfect look of confusion and revulsion. (sighs) Rachel Recchia has to smell their armpits. And Logan... 
makes this grimace at the next task being armpit smelling. His nose is crinkled, his jaw is askew, and he had my... Face play of the game. That was a great face play. I agree with you. I had one coming a little later, but... And Flora says pheromones can simulate a lot of things like desire. And Rachel Recchia hates the smell of meatball, of course. The fool. Yeah, of course. The silent, smelly, investigative fool. I bet they had him put something that smelled bad under his arm purposefully. Is this your third conspiracy town? Yeah. They're like, look, we're going to fucking bring you back, but we own you. So go in there and I want you to rub this gross cheese on your fucking armpit. And let her smell it. Or you're not coming to paradise. <laughs> you want sand twitched your toes? You're gonna put on this musk. <laughs> you want medium fucking sand placement? Then rub these sardines on your armpits and go rub it in her face. You wanna be making a fake pasta meal on sand at the end of the intro packages and not have a really romance, an actual romance meatball. Hey, meatball. GSJ was a night one guy. Now he's got 1.1 million followers. And he sells tomato sauce. Can you see yourself selling tomato sauce after putting toes in the sand? Uh, yeah, I, I think I could do that. Hey, Meatball, we got you to drop a jar of tomato sauce all over your body. <laughs> Some people are going to think it's cans, but it's really jars of sauce. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Meatball. This oh, fucking Meatball. Anyway, we move on to the next <laughs> part of this where the guys they have to do love letters and uh, read them out loud. And then Rekia says they've turned it around, they're all there for her. Of course, she feels fine now. This is the roller coaster she'll talk about later. And these poems are, in my mind, the legacy of Ryan Sutter's groundbreaking poem play in season one of The Bachelorette. This motherfucker had a poem every time he saw her, that was his thing. And now it's actually baked into the game where guys have to do it formally. And uh, there's some decent little poems, but the best one is Tyler who produces fucking tears during his poem. And later we're going to find out something else about this poem that made his poem my play, 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 play of the game this pre-written poem accompanied by fake perhaps tears that included a hint of a ptc that he was gonna play if he won the group date was also my Play, 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 play of the game. Oh my God, I'm getting winded. I am too. My throat <laughs> literally hurts bad from what I've just done. It was that meatball, that meatball run. I know, I've sacrificed for our game. Uh, we left it all on the field. This pre-written poem was, 
chef's kiss. It got this extremely important time. We don't learn that it was pre-written until a little bit later, but I agree with you. Learning that. No, he says. He says it was. Oh, he says it there? He says, last night I wrote something oh. and I was hoping for an opportunity to share it. Oh my he God. He wrote it He's after fucking, her oh breakdown. God. Well, I, I didn't realize that, but later on they talk specifically about how it was pre-written and he didn't know if he was going to get to use it or not when, when we get to the night portion of this thing. Well, I mean, we wrote this in our book. Everybody should be writing <clears throat> something like this before they go in. We, ha- we have a, a list of three stories that you should have ready. One is for TRR, one is comedic, and one you have to talk about your PTC. And I don't know if I was going to go on The Bachelor. I would probably read a book called Halloween The Bachelor before I went on. That's just me, though. Well, let's just get into it here. In portion eight, it's uh, Rekia has a rose on a marble platter, and she ITMs about the tough decision to bring someone over for the play for time. That someone is going to be Tyler because of his poem and the tears. They share some champagne. She mentions his vulnerability and just one little casting card. I can't let these go. Please, please. DOP says, let's be honest. Your mom is a terrible matchmaker. We can do better. Sign up for The Bachelorette. <laughs> like, mom, you may be a terrible matchmaker, but I don't think my mom is trying to force me into a nervous breakdown on 20 successive days. I really think at the very <laughs> least, my mom could do better than that. So I would not listen to what DLP is saying. I would love to see who your mom would set you up with. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) There's your show. Back on Bodie McBoatface Virgin. I don't get Valiant Virgin. The Valiant Virgin Lady. So Rekia is ITMing about this tough decision to bring somebody over for the play for time. They share the champagne. She mentions his vulnerability. And then they start talking about the fact that he had the poem in his pocket and he wasn't sure if he's going to get a chance to read it today. So like Pace Case was saying, this is something we say all the time. Have these poems pre-written. Have them ready. Have thought about them before you come in and write them when you're in there. Because at the very least, you can bust it at an after party or something. You can bust it on a group date or a cocktail party. Like They're always going to be valuable. But if you find yourself in a, yeah. in a position like this, like they were that day, where they say, you have to write something now, or you have to write a song or a comedic monologue or whatever... You've already got it and you look good because you've put time into it where other guys are going to be floundering and nervous, having to write something on the spot. You're already fucking iced. It was very impressive. I love seeing a prepared player and here Tyler proves that he is. We've talked about how we haven't been seeing players standing up and making these moves. And this one for me was, I was not ready for it and I applaud it. And to set up this PTC. This is why you want to have prepared material on your PTC because you can find these spots to use them. You're Maybe you're not getting an actual one-on-one, you're Tyler, you're, but you are getting this after-party moment to shine. And he lays out this extremely 4TRR PTC and it is exactly the type of thing that you want to use on a crown like Rachel Recchia. I feel like it was very much matching her vibe that she is, you know, unconditional love was the best feeling in the world. I'm ready to give it to someone. Feeling is 10 times better than the pain. And Rachel's like, you seem ready to love and hurt. That's exactly how I am, which I feel like is something that Rekia has kind of leaned into, kind of Claire Mm -hmm. Crawley style of being like a romantic at heart. And Tyler says, I'm trying to find someone who can love as hard as you can, 
I came here for you, aka remember my all legs one basket for you. I all legs before I even exited the limo. Tyler says, I could take care of the house, clean for my wifey. I want to be someone's rock. When you walk into the room, you're the only person I see. It's like literally line after line of like, per, like this is the golden stuff. This is what you want. She even says you're saying all the right things. She literally says that out loud to him. And that's because he is. And then he says, I want to be somebody's rock. And she's the only person he sees. Gets that kiss. This is just perfectly played. Absolutely, utterly, perfectly played. And then we cut back and we see Logan having this weird, ominous conversation lit from above with dark shadows on DLP's face. Sinister fucking lighting. I said it's in the worst lit virgin boat bar of all time. (laughs) I think they literally lit it to make it seem like they were in hell. And uh, (laughs) Logan is telling DLP about how he still has feelings for Gabby. This is all now, again, intercut with Rachel Reckia having this great group date or great uh, kind of one-on-one extension of the group date with Tyler, the extra play for time. So once again, they're visually juxtaposing. Look, Rachel's finally getting a good night with a good guy who's saying all the right stuff, but there's a fucking ticking time bomb waiting in Logan. It's repulsive. There's a sneaking snake in the grass just ready to eat your face as soon as you have a happy moment. But then we're not even going to let him talk to you at the cocktail party so we can maximize your heartbreak. Absolutely grotesque. Logan in an ITM says he knows what he has to do. He has to talk to Rachel Reckia and tell her what's up. And then uh, right after he says that, we cut back to Reckia making out with Tyler in a hot tub. They are ruthless. These producers are fucking ruthless this season. This editing is... I mean, they're undercutting any potential love story Rekia has. They're just like, fuck you. Fuck you here. Fuck you here. We're going to cut back to someone talking shit on how they hate you and you suck. Yeah. Oh, you having a good date? Well, look at this. We're going to let this guy fucking wreck you. Because they will. It's reminded me, honestly, of uh, Ashley Hebert's season with during her Bachelorette season, there was a villain named Bentley and they just had him do ITMs the whole time about how he was tricking her. And then they would cut it back and forth with Ashley being like, I'm so into Bentley and him being like, oh, she sucks. But now we're in this era where producers are supposedly taking more responsibility for how they're crafting the show and representation, Mm -hmm. a, a wide array of things. They're supposedly taking more responsibility for it. Certainly this season was pitched and sold to us, the fourth audience, as we are going to help these two women go through this thing together. They will be better off for having gone through it together, and we are only here to support them. If that's the case, you immediately, as soon as Logan is having this conversation in hell with Dark Lord Palmer, you immediately take him and Rachel Reckia aside, and you, you force that conversation to happen privately so that he doesn't stick around as he did. But they're not doing that because they want the maximum amount of pain to be caused by this. Well, Tyler gets that group date rose intercut with Logan saying he's terrified to add to that laundry list of disappointments for Rekia. But nonetheless, he will overcome his terror. And then we cut to portion number nine. We see Gabby and Rachel coming together hand in hand for the rose ceremony. Logan sets up that he's going to use this rose ceremony to express some honest truths. This is, of course, his feelings for Gabby. And then we see the leads come down the stairs and Zach gets a first responder, handing them both 
their drinks. And then in the speech, Rekia thanks them all for stepping up after a hard week. And Gabby is grateful that the guys are there. Cheers to a great end of the week. Gabby takes Nate for the first one-on-one time. He opens with a, how you doing? How you doing? And she tells him that this week was pretty good and thanks him for saying what he said in the boxing ring. Get a little kiss. Then we see some one-on-one time with Rekia and Hayden. He shows her... (laughs) Some pictures of Rambo. He's brought with him a printed out photo book of his dog, Rambo, a full book of pics of this dog. He explains that Rambo is one of the most important things in his life. He plays a dog illness PTC. Rambo has a brain tumor. His whole head caved in, he says, and his dog may only have a few months to live. He uses this to show her how serious he is about being in the our beloved game. And this is a risky play because she could use it. I mean, we're going to find out really what the bigger play was, the error at the beginning of the game. But let's assume that that error never would have come to fruition. This type of a play is risky because it can force her to say, you know what? I'm not feeling like we can get there. I'm going to send you home now because you have this pressing matter back at home. I wouldn't want to take up any more of your time. I feel like he played it like a package deal would. It's it's essentially saying keeping me or dumping me has more importance. Yes, exactly. It is a little bit of a forced hand. And he pulls out a second prop here, by the way. Rambo's cancer duck. And he, oh, third prop, he's carrying around one of the duck paws in his jacket. Tino then performs a steal, rose in pocket from Hayden. This also, by the way, is, this is how you know that Hayden is fucked. Because that steal is producers. The producers sent Tino in to interrupt his cancer dog story. It is the only steal we see. So it's definitely an important steal And we immediately find out why Aiden says it was tough to see Rachel's response to that. She should have blocked the steel, basically. Yeah. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.com. .co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And they sent it in purposely to piss him off because he's telling what is the most emotional story he's got. It's, he's obviously getting very worked up about it. It's a story that's ongoing and maybe going to reach a conclusion in the next two months. So he's feeling very emotional about it. And then they just say, nah, fuck that. Interrupt him. Let's get him super pissed so that maybe there will be a fight when this all comes to a head. And somehow, who is waiting in the wings having <laughs> the omniscient... A viewer of all Hayden's vulgarities. It's Meatball, the silent fool, watching and recording. As Hayden says, it was it's difficult to walk away from that conversation being like, this is the person for me. And then we get a flashback. That's when you really know you're fucked. Your villain edit is imprinted when you get a flashback. It is Hayden called well, not calling Gabby a bitch, but saying bitch, comma, Gabby. <laughs> I don't want to just settle, etc. And we get this meatball Rekia one-on-one. And Rekia treats their relationship like it is a real relationship and says you're finally out of the doghouse. And meatball, love level ones. I really like you. But... I had a convo with Hayden at the mansion. Pretty unpleasant. He said, you and Gabby are overreacting to what he said. He made a vulgar comparison of you and his ex. It was something about breasts. And he also said, I don't trust these bitches regarding you. This series of words that were said by Ball to Rekia produce a series of three facial reactions in Rekia. The first reaction was when Meatball tells her that Hayton said she and Gabby were both overreacting to what he said. Rachel Reckia pulls her head back and looks down the end of her nose at Meatball in suspicious contempt. This is part one of a three-part triptych of facial expressions that will become very important. Then Meatball says he compared her breasts to his exes. Rekia gives a disgusted face scrunch. But then the crowning jewel of this face play sequence is her reaction to Meatball finally telling her that Hayden said he didn't trust, in quotes, these bitches. And Rekia puts the cherry on top with a wide-eyed mouth expression, full wide-eyed, wide-mouthed expression of shock and disbelief that is one for the ages. This will be memed 10,000 times. It will be the most used image of the episode for the following week. Uh, I wasn't sure Rekia had it in her to pull off face play this impressive at this level, but tonight she proved, in my opinion, she is among some of the great face play leads of all time. And this was my face play of the game. It wasn't my face play of the game because I love, I love a, I love a reaction to meatball, but it was my runner up. I did write down the time code. It's 136.25. Her mouth is agape. And she's also looking to the side, which I thought was... Yeah. She does a double side look. 
She goes, she goes left and she goes right. I think it was just like, don't know where to look. Too outraged. Has no idea where to turn her visual focus. But Rekia tells Meatball that she appreciates the info and she needs to have a conversation with Hayden. She pulls Hayden and then we cut to portion 10 and she asks Hayden if he knows why she's talking to him. Before she does that, Hayden is with the guys and he is saying, I've sacrificed so much to be here. He has a brain tumor. He could die at any minute. That doesn't look like a happy Rachel. That's what he says when she approaches. Yeah. And indeed, she's not. And she asks him if he knows why she's talking to him. He thinks it's about Rambo. It's about <laughs> Rambo, I guess. He's just sitting there the whole time. She's like, you really think that's what it is? Oh, uh, yeah. What else would it be? He doesn't get that it could possibly be anything else, any of this other shit. Uh, it's a, it's a comedic moment. It is indeed. And she says that she has some other information that she's upset about. She confronts him about everything Meatball said. He denies it flatly. And Rekia says she gave him a chance in LA. She's giving him a chance here on this boat to own up to it. He continues to deny it. And then she says, I think it's time I walk you out. He says, fine. He ITMs, I wanted this to work, but I want Rambo more. I am blessed to have Rambo who loves me unconditionally, produces tears. Clues said, what did you say? You said it's a Ben Zorn exit. All eggs. Yeah, this is the Zorn strategy. All eggs, dog basket. All eggs, dog basket. That's what it was. (laughs) Zorn was a player on, I forget even which season he was on several ago, but also did a paradise stint and uh, notoriously loved his dog more than anything on this earth. People love dogs. It's always a good fourth audience play. I agree. It's very hard to go against a dog. That has to be a real asshole of a dog. And Rambo was our creature of the week, a very special dog. For sure. Rambo has no part. Look, this is also just a villain edit. I'm sure Hayden is not a fucking asshole. I'm sure he's just a regular guy. He got tripped up in some fucking wordplay that he didn't understand. And that's it. Now he's going to be a villain. Now he's going to be getting fucking death threats tomorrow. And he's going to lose whatever. I don't know. He doesn't have any Instagram followers anyway. But yeah. What is the grammatical term for when you say someone's name, comma, and then something? I I don't know. Well, this is that for the word bitch. He wasn't saying (laughs) Rachel and Gabby are bitches. He said, bitch, whatever. I mean, that's what we saw in the document. I have no idea what he actually said. I agree with you. What we saw in the document, I don't think was exactly what Meatball was hinting was said. But certainly, he misused language and deserved this elimination. That is our beloved game. But portion 11 begins. DLP enters to explain that Rekia was given some information about Hayden and said she was hurt. The cocktail party is canceled. See you at the rose ceremony. And all the turtles are frustrated here, including Logan, who ITMs not knowing what to do to keep accepting these roses and pretending like everything is cool. Or to not do that. Logan not screaming at Dark Lord Palmer and begging him to have a moment with Rachel, Recky, and Gabby before the rose ceremony starts was my error, 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 error of the game. I think clearly... The producers were trying to fuck Logan and have a plot for next week. I mean, this is their huge thing that they can get someone to yeah. change. I mean, I'm, that's like the dream, right? <clears throat> and they're forced, that's a forced turtle. Obviously, they could have had him talk to him. I think if he had made a big enough moment here, he could have 
like if he pleads and he's begging and it's for TRR with Dark Lord Palmer, I think it could have made the edit and they might have given it to him. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Like a Hail Mary pre-rose ceremony. Uh, the only thing that I definitely know is they eliminated the rose ceremony specifically to fuck Logan here. It's the only reason. Yeah. But nonetheless, or the cocktail party, we go to the rose ceremony and after Gabby and Rachel thank them all for being there, we have this staggered roses handed out just as we had last week. Uh, Gabby's first rose goes to Nate and then we see him go party with the Gabby Winnie's winner's circle. Rachel Reckia's first rose goes to Avon. We see him go party with the Rachel Reckia winner's circle. And then Gabby's second rose is Eric. Uh, then we don't see who Rachel's second rose is. We just see the, her winner's circle being like, who's gonna, who's it going to be? And then Meatball comes in. Yeah, so you thinking Zach next. It was literally like people watching a draft. It's going to be this person, right? Yeah, and it's this terrible no it's producing and editing here, the way that this rose ceremony is presented. It's like some players you get to see get the rose. Some players you have to see them coming into the room. There's no narrative drama built. Totally confusing. A fucking disaster. Just a, a huge mess. This is the worst rose ceremony I think I've ever seen in the history of the game uh, in terms of its presentation. Nonetheless, you get Johnny getting Gabby's third rose, Zach getting uh, Reckie's third rose, Michael getting Gabby's fourth, and then you get, again, not seeing this, but Ethan gets Rachel Reckia's fourth. He just comes into the winner's circle. We don't see it actually given. Meatball and Ethan getting these full edit roses. You don't even see it. And then uh, Mario gets Gabby's fifth, and Logan gets Reckia's fifth, and he does accept it. And she even says, I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to talk. And DLP, of course, Tamsigs. But uh, we even see her apologize to Logan for not getting a chance to talk, but says he'll do it next week. Logan then ITM's feeling like the bad guy. He feels selfish, but he would be a fool if it means he can talk with Gabby to accept the rose. He's going to get it all out there. And the winners all agree to have a good week. Logan ITM's that he's not looking forward to telling Rekia that he wants to pursue Gabby. He is terrified. They all cheers to heading to Brogue, Belgium. And we get a nice big drone shot of the boat at night. And then the promo for next week, we see beer, we see Bruges, we see uh, Gabby is spanking somebody with plants, we see some kisses, castles, horses, mirrors, more kissing, fireworks with Avon, Logan, long pondering in a mirror, Rekia is humiliated once again, Logan comes into Gabby's group, seems like there is some tears, Rachel, it seems like is going to quit, and then in the tag, we see that Gabby and Jason got to stomp grapes we never saw in the show, in the document on their one-on-one. -on -one. And they say, what shall we call this? champagne and they call it feet and i thought that was homage to when they called that wine wine on popeye season i did too thought the exact same thing um but there you have it that is tonight's big game who was your mvp for his mastery of shy style that he paralleled in the parasocial game his Childhood bullying slash producer bullying PTC. Jason was my M M M M V P. Who was yours? Jason was great. Tyler, impressive play. He got my play of the game, the poem. That alone would probably warrant you an MVP in a, a normal season. However, this season is so fucking upside down, sideways, et cetera, et cetera. 
I'm looking for shit that is interesting. I'm looking for things for an MVP or from an MVP that are hard to do. I'm looking for tough decisions being made correctly. And tonight, there was one player who was faced with a decision that would have crippled most people, but he stayed the right path. I am talking about a player who accepted a rose. Logan was my... M-M-M-M-M-V-P. He had misgivings about taking that rose from Rachel Recchia. He ITM'd all about it. I don't know if I should be doing this. This is bad. I feel like shit. But he still fucking did it. You never self-eliminate. If you're given a rose, you accept the rose. He took that rule to heart and he abided by it. And as a result, he's going to be in the game for another fucking week. Now, what can he do? Can he get out of this? Are they building him into an unavoidable villain at it? Maybe. I don't know. Now we're really going to see if this motherfucker can play. But I'm giving him my MVP this week because he has set up a week next week that I'm actually excited for in a season so far that has produced not a moment of excitement for me. That's not actually true. But so far, I felt I felt very bad about watching this entire season. I'm actually looking very forward to seeing what he can do next week with the position that he's put himself in. Absolutely. We're finally seeing the rise of a villain. Or maybe not. Maybe he's going to turn the fucking corner. He's going into Gabby's guise. We see that in the promo. But maybe he's just joining like the date. Sure. And then what can you do with that? Plenty of people just joined a date. One of them was named Nick Vial. Maybe you'll remember in Caitlin Bristow's season of The Bachelorette. And what did he do with that? He turned it into a fucking crown. I rest my case, Your Honor. Different era. You know, that was back in the day, you know. Yeah. You could get away with stuff that I'm not sure you can get away with today. Hey, hey, if you're a good fucking player, you get away with anything. Ask Dale Moss what you can fucking get away with. Crushing a season in fucking week two or three or whatever. Bye. I'm going to be here for three days and then I'm out with a fucking ring. That was just done a couple of years ago. You could do anything. It's how good are you? And I really do think you could do a Dale Moss style move this season. I think like if Tino went fucking all legs, let's leave. Let's do the rest of the season. Just you and me. I feel like he could pull it off. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe. I don't think anybody this season got the juice to do something like that. But nonetheless, I'm looking forward to next week. I thank you, Pace Case, for recapping this week with me. I thank everybody for joining us. We will be back on Friday with This Week in Bachelor Nation, where we're going to break down all the biggest news items from this week, including one engagement of Madison Pruitt to billionaire or son of a billionaire, Grant Trout. Uh, I can't wait. I hope there's some more stuff that comes out about that in the coming days. I can't. I'm so excited. We literally found out during our live pregame show tonight, and it was all I could think about. Um, There's no award for this, but I also would just, by the way, like to give an award to Dark Lord Palmer's French in this episode. Yeah, it's technically an aloha, I guess. But again... Thank you all for joining us. And before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been 7,436 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be 
Le Dark Lord Palmer. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then 